0: Genesis 19 10 through 26. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and then bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place. Your son-in-law's sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiance, his daughter's fiance quick, get out of the city, the Lord is about to destroy you. But the young man thought he was only joking. At the dawn of the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters and your two daughters who are here, get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and, and the hands of his wife and two daughters, and they rushed and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they were when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the mountains or you will be swept away oh no my lord <clears throat> you have been so gracious to me and saved my life and you have shown, so, shown such great kindness but I cannot go to the mountains disaster would catch up to me there and I would soon die see there is a small village nearby "'Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved.' "'All right,' the angel said. "'I will grant you your your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there.' This explains why the village was known as Zoar, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky, on Sodom and Gomorrah, he utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and other and villages on the plain, wiping all the people out, or wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt.
1: Amen. Over the past several weeks, we've been studying some of the lesser-known characters of the Bible. To see the lessons that their stories have for us. Because if God put them in scripture, there is a purpose for Him putting them in there for us and hearing about them. Now, some of them provide us with examples and behaviors that we need to learn to put into practice, others provide us with examples and behaviors that we need to avoid. This morning's character gives us an example of behavior to avoid. Now, unfortunately, our character this morning doesn't even have a name. She is known merely by her connection to her husband. She is referred to only as Lot's wife. We'll refer to her as Mrs. Lot for the purposes this morning. Now, ordinarily, we would just brush past a character like this. After all, we don't hear sermons usually about Moses' wife, about Noah's wife, But there's a reason that we're going to focus on Lot's wife this morning. In Luke's gospel, he records Jesus talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 17. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. Jesus Himself tells us to pay attention to the story of Lot's wife, so we would do well to heed her story. Now let's go through some of the background on who Lot is. Lot was the cousin, or nephew, of Abraham. When Abraham was called to leave Ur, Lot went with him. Uh, So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, Lot went with him. And so it's reasonable to believe that Mrs. Lot shared in the same faith as the family that she was traveling with. When the tent was pitched and the altar was built, she was there. When prayers were said, she too was on bended knee with Abraham and Lot. She was, in all likelihood, a woman of faith and a woman of prayer. So what happened? Genesis 13 gives us some little insight. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the gardens of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. And the two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tents near Sodom. Near Sodom. The people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. It says they settled near Sodom but somehow they ended up in Sodom. Not only did they move into Sodom, Sodom moved into them. In the opening verse of our chapter this morning, it says, That evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. With the reference to Lot sitting in the city gate, it is believed that he was the mayor of Sodom. So Lot and Mrs. Lot were brought under the worldly influence of Sodom. You see, you can't go that close to temptation and think you're going to be able to run away from it. It's going to get into you, the way Sodom did with Lot and Lot's wife. They were drawn into all that Sodom could offer them. And for Mrs. Lot, her legacy becomes tainted. This is how she is forever known. Verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. That's her legacy. That's how she's forever known. Now, from our human perspective, wow, that seems harsh. All she did was look back. She simply turned her head, and she's turned into a pillar of salt. How could a loving God do that? It's along the same line as the age-old question, how could a loving God send people to hell? Just like with Mrs. Lot, God provides the escape route, but we choose whether or not to take it. So let's take a look at where God was throughout her situation. Starting in verse 10. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house. That was number one. Number two is in verse 11. Then the angels blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. Third time God intervenes in verse 12. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city, they asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or anyone else. And then again in verse 15. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. Verse 16. When Lot still hesitated, the angels Seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters. And he rushed them to safety outside the city because the Lord was merciful. Think about that. One of the angels grabbed Mrs. Lot's hand to pull her out, they held on tight to lead her away from the past and point her towards a whole new future. Then again, in verse 17, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Verse 22 But hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. You see, Lot puts up a stink about going to the mountains. He kind of turns into a whiny guy there. Oh, but please, can I just go to this small village? I'm going to die in the mountains. And the Lord says, okay. Here, go to this village, but get there as fast as you can. Hurry up. They arrive safely in the village. An ultimate destruction befalls Sodom. But in a moment, Mrs. Lot did the unthinkable. She did the impermissible, like Eve, who broke God's commandment to not eat. Mrs. Lot broke the one command that the Lord gave her don't look back. And she looked back. Instead of focusing on her future, she looked expectantly, but in the wrong direction. You see, this wasn't about her unbelief. She did leave, she believed the warnings. She believed what the angel said about the destruction. If she didn't, she wouldn't have left. But her problem was that she couldn't let go of her past. She couldn't let go of what was there and look ahead to what God had for her. You see, her action of looking back was a sign of a divided heart. Remember, seven times in those verses, God reached out. God provided an escape route for her. Seven times. In a matter of just a few days. Not so harsh when we look at it that way, is it? You see, instead of reflecting on the mercies of God that she witnessed, she looked back at her old life with longing. Her old life wasn't necessarily all good, it wasn't necessarily all bad. But it was all she knew. It was comfortable. And because she was comfortable, she got stuck. She became a pillar of salt, never to move again. She was no longer moving forward toward her future or backwards towards what was comfortable. She was stuck. God's mercy was giving her a whole new life, a whole new hope and future. In his mercy, he was providing an escape from her past, an escape from where she was, from her previous life. But because she couldn't let hold of her grip on the past, she remained stuck, not moving forward, not moving back. God provides every one of us with that escape route, a whole new hope and future. Some of us choose to ignore those escape routes. We look at the one way that Jesus has for us, and we say, no, no, I don't want that one way. I have my own way. And so we take our own path. And then we wonder, well why isn't my life working out? Why is it not doing? Why why are things not happening for me? Why is my life just so miserable? God's saying, I'm right over here. You wanted to go that way. So I love you. Some of us are so bound to our past that we've become prisoners to it. And we can't fully live in the here and now when we're chained to our past. Never mind look ahead to the future. But if we're going to move forward with God, we must, must, must let go of our past. There's an old motivational story A lot of motivational speakers use, and they call it how to catch a monkey. So here's the story. So a farmer is trying to catch a monkey that is stealing food from his farm. Even after a very long time of chasing after the monkey, he had no luck in catching it. The monkey was quite clever and would run and jump from tree to tree to tree, And the farmer began to feel it was nearly impossible to capture this monkey. But just as the farmer was about to give up, a wise old man gave him some instructions on how to accomplish the task. He was told to get a rope, a coconut, some sugar, and some peanuts. So following the old man's instructions, the farmer cut a portion of the top of the coconut leaving a small hole in the center, just big enough for a monkey's hand. Now, I don't have a coconut. I don't think my hand would fit in a coconut. So I've got a jar full of peanuts. And so what the plan was, was to put the peanuts with the sugar in the coconut, tie it to a tree, and leave it there overnight. And so the farmer did just that, and he went back to his house and went to bed. The next morning, when the farmer woke up, he went in to check on his coconut. And just as the old wise man had advised him, the monkey was there, still running around the tree in a circle with his hand stuck inside of the coconut. You see, the monkey had grabbed a hold of the peanuts. And when he was holding the peanuts... He couldn't get his hand out of the coconut. And because it was tied to the tree, he just kept spinning in circles, stuck there, because he refused to let go of what was in his grasp. You see, the farmer didn't actually catch the monkey. The monkey imprisoned himself. Because all the monkey had to do was release his hand. And he would be free. But he couldn't. He couldn't let go. So he imprisoned himself. You see, when we're unwilling to release our grip on the past, when we're unwilling to let go of the peanuts that grab our focus, we imprison ourselves to a place of just running in circles, going nowhere, stuck because God can't lead us into our future, If we're stuck in comfortable places, in the places that we find familiar, God says, release the peanuts. I have so much more for you. Those, what you're holding on to are just peanuts compared to what I have for you over here. Like we said earlier, just wait. Just wait to see. But you've got to release that so I can give you this. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Soar on wings like eagles. But we can't soar if we're chained to our past. There are things in your past that God wants to use for his kingdom but you're holding it so tight, you're so unwilling to release it back to him, he can't use it. And he can't use you to bring hope to others unless you let go of your bondage. Stop imprisoning yourself. For some of you, you need to celebrate the past. You have to see where God was in those moments and celebrate them. For others, you need to learn from your past. You need to look to the things in your past that can make you a better person today. And as we release our grip on the past, God will reveal to us how he was there the whole time, just like we saw with Mrs. Lott. Seven times he offered out an escape. When we... Look to learn from our past. We'll see that God was there too. Every moment, He was there. For others, you need to allow God in to heal the wounds, to heal the deep hurts of your past. You need to let God release you from the guilt, release you from the anger and disappointment. Of the things behind you. But whether we're celebrating or whether we're healing or learning from our past, all of us need to not live there. Don't stay there. We must remember Lot's wife. Let go of the things you cannot change. Run towards the one who holds our hope. Run towards the one who holds your future. Run towards the one who has plans and purpose for you. We need to stop looking back to what keeps us comfortable, to what keeps us stuck in the same place with the same hurts the same anger, the same bitterness release it stop imprisoning yourself with it because you're the only one that's getting hurt no one else is feeling the pain, only you and God says release it release it If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then today's the day that you should. Remember Lot's wife. Let go of your past. Lay your sins and your past before the one who has the power to forgive you. And if you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior, today's the day to remember Lot's wife. Heal your divided heart. Surrender your life and make him your Lord, too, not just your Savior. Maybe he's Lord of some parts of your life, but not all. Release your grip on the past, the moments that hurt, the moments that make you cry, and even the moments that make you laugh. Give them back to him in praise. Letting go can be scary. Change is frightening. It scares us because it's unfamiliar. We like to know things. We like to know what's going to happen. And when we release, we have no idea. But actually we do because God loves us. God has plans for us. God is good. He can't hurt you. wherever he is leading you. Know that you can trust him completely. Jesus didn't sacrifice himself on the cross to save us just from bondage to sin, just to keep us stuck. That's not what this is about. He came to bring us life abundant. Abundant. And in order to receive life abundant, we must first empty ourselves of what's holding us stuck. The writer of Hebrews says it best in the opening of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the initiator of our faith. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. But we need to empty ourselves so he can fill us with his spirit. Only then can we run with perseverance into the future that God has for us. We must remember Lot's wife. Stop looking back. Let go of what's keeping you stuck. Let go of what's keeping God from using you in his kingdom and moving forward to better things.